0: There comes a point in life where you have to decide, can I continue on this path or do I have to decide that it's time for me to be some and do something different? This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow.
1: We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. When you're working in a career you once loved, it can be hard to come to terms with leaving, even if you're feeling burned out. Many times it takes coming to a crossroads where you're forced to decide, should you stay or go?
0: The speed and the intensity of which they are making cases made it really hard to adequately juggle the caseload and the responsibilities I had there and my ability to be a mother. And when I got essentially inside of me, got asked, are you going to be a mom or are you going to be an employee? My question was hands down. It was answered. I'm going to be a mom.
1: That's Jenna Murphy. Jenna had been a criminal prosecutor since graduating from law school, and she loved it until she didn't. In the beginning of her career, she pictured herself prosecuting criminals until she retired. However, fast forward a few years, Jenna had started a family and not long after began feeling burned out trying to juggle her demanding career and being a mom at the same time. Her priorities had shifted and the things she had once valued in her job just didn't seem as important. Recognizing it was a time for a new chapter, she set out to find a role that fulfilled her in a way that being a prosecutor once had, but also allowed her the flexibility and freedom to spend more time with her husband and her young kids. Okay, so Jenna did a wonderful job defining her non-negotiables for her next role and then holding steadfast to those criteria. She went through the ups and downs, like many, many stories you've heard on this uh, this podcast. One really interesting one for her was she turned down an almost ideal role and had a few heartbreaks when roles turned out not to be what she expected. Jenna finally accepted a role that aligns with what she values most and is truly a great fit for her. So it turns out that it was such a great fit that just one month into her new role, she actually got promoted, which I'm really excited for you to hear her talk about at the end of our conversation. So stay tuned for the the whole thing for that. What you're going to hear right now is Jenna kicking things off, sharing a little bit about how a family member's run-in with the law led to her becoming an attorney.
0: I started as a criminal prosecutor. That's what I went to law school to do. I really don't know what the draw was specifically about the legal field, because if you had asked me in college, I would have told you I wasn't smart enough to be a lawyer. When I was in high school, I had a family member who unfortunately found himself in some trouble And while I guess some part of me could have represented him, I did not think I could do that for other people. I knew that there had to be justice somewhere. But also at that time, I felt like that there might have been some injustice that was done by the the criminal procedure process. And so I began to look and I thought, well, if I decide to go and be an assistant district attorney, which is what the only thing I knew of at that point in time, at least I can make sure that the charges that I bring are appropriate. And I can feel like that there's a reason someone is being held accountable for the things they do. Uh, What I did not want to do is somebody walk in my office and say, I killed those five people. Can you get me off with it? And I, I just couldn't do that. But as a prosecutor, I would have the ability to be sure the charges were appropriate and to make sure justice was seen through, if that's even the right way to say that, that justice was. We're gonna was, go with
1: that. I think. I think that sounds <laughs> that justice very was achieved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and do it with with a good conscience, I guess. Yeah. And not feel like that I was ruining people's lives, but doing something that was was intended to hold them responsible for the things they did.
1: I have a variety of friends that all are in similar positions. And when I chat with them, it seems like that conscience part, the, the, (laughs) what you described that, you know, the reasons that you got into it versus sometimes the realities of it are a lot of times in conflict. And it seems like that is the challenge continuously over and over and over and over again. And I'm curious how you feel about that and what you found are the challenges.
0: Uh, So most of my the majority of my work uh, was spent in the misdemeanor and traffic world. That's just because the last eight and a half years, that's I primarily focused on battery, family violence cases in the misdemeanor world. Lots of driving under the influence, and then uh, traffic citations. My first twenty two months did a lot of drug cases, a few aggravated assaults, things like that. Um, I do think that there is a fair portion of the legal world that can be. Swayed or can have a bias to it. I'm not going to say that that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. As a prosecutor, though, I think when you have that perspective of trying to make sure that each charge you bring is warranted, that you also would steer away from same some of the ridiculousness. I will say that exists that you, you just see it kind of unfold every single day. There's, I feel like the Justice Department has moved or the justice field has moved in from this middle of the road, like let's do fair each way to it's either horribly unjust or people are just not held accountable at all. Really?
1: What's an example of that? I'm super curious now.
0: Well, I mean, of course you have certain incidences where they're just going to try anything and everything to make a case. It's just really not there. Let's be clear. I mean, not every case that gets sat on your desk is worthy of being prosecuted That's what's important for a prosecutor to remember in their mind is that you cannot be gung-ho for every single case. Uh, That being said, the last jury trial that I tried was a DUI marijuana case. I knew that the the DUI case was iffy, but the defense attorney stood in front of the jury and said, we had marijuana. My, My client possessed marijuana and the jury still walked him. And I think that was the point at least for me where i was like i don't know why i put my effort and time into jury trials they bring stress they take away time from my family they that was the disillusionment that i had or the part where i became disillusioned with trying to find justice and understanding that one charge is why we're there we're trying that because he doesn't but the fact that the jury just didn't care and yeah. and, and i get it marijuana is its thing in of itself i'm not but in georgia it's illegal And if someone looks at you and says, "We broke the law," I just don't understand the concept of being like, "Yeah, we don't care." Hmm.
1: What else led up for you? What else led up to you saying, "I need to make a change"? Becoming a mom. Yeah.
0: Um, Getting married. Yes. Having two babies now. I have a four-year-old. He just turned four in June, and I have a little over two and a half-year-old. He'll be three in January, and Uh that. Always, I guess somewhere new inside of me that would change me. I just didn't realize how much it was going to change me. And it was those times that that, for instance, that jury trial that just really bothered me, that I had spent, you know, granted, I, I tried to be good to them and put them to bed and do all the things. But then I many have not sat on my couch prepping for a trial that my husband sat beside me and didn't get any attention because I was working only to stand in front of a jury and a jury be like, "Yeah, whatever. And that was the part that made it really hard. The burnout was extreme. I mean, I think COVID obviously had a lull in it. Our jurisdiction in particular was not one that took a whole lot of time off. We got about two weeks down before we went back into actually having uh, jail matters where we had to get people out of jail because misdemeanors, you just can't keep people in jail forever. Mm -hmm. And so that was virtual. What we took about 60 days is all we took before we went back to the office full time. So I went back to the office full-time and told them I was pregnant. Surprise, I'm pregnant again. Here we go. <laughs>
1: Surprise.
0: Uh, yeah. So, and then coming back, once everything loosened up post-COVID, I'm proud of the sheriff's office that I worked with, but the speed and the intensity of which they were making cases made it really hard to adequately juggle the caseload and the responsibilities I had there and my ability to be a mother. Mm. And when I got essentially inside of me got asked, are you going to be a mom or are you going to be an employee? My question was hands down. It was answered. I'm going to be a mom. Sorry. Like as much as I love this job and I love what it's offered. If you told me six years ago, I wouldn't be a criminal prosecutor anymore. I would have told you you lost your mind. And today here I sit and I'm not a criminal prosecutor anymore. (laughs) I, I don't miss that part of it. I miss the people there, but I'm proud of where I am today. And I'm proud to say that in my gosh, month and a half, right at month and a half that I've been out of that job, I've been a better mother than I ever was throughout my entire process of of being a mom and being a criminal prosecutor.
1: That's amazing. What I'm very curious about is when you, when you made that decision, was it that case that really caused you to ask that question and make that decision? Or was there some other event that was the catalyst to you making that decision?
0: No, I, I mean, I think it had been a slow progression over time that I knew the burnout was there and I was just trying to figure out. And then my, my kids had a Thanksgiving program at school, at school, at daycare. Yep. And I can remember being in court, run almost running to my car to get back to daycare or to get to daycare to be there to watch them my mom and my dad had came from where they live my husband was there and so of course I rush in and I I watched this program thankfully I didn't miss any of it and but then I watched the clock the entire time I was there and then rushed back to go back to court and I think that was probably the straw that really broke the camel's back for lack of better explanation was that I just knew at that point that I couldn't juggle both things. Mm-hmm.
1: I can definitely appreciate that. I actually had a really similar experience too. I I did actually miss something. I'm so glad you didn't. Oh, no. I'm so glad you didn't and that you made a change. <laughs> I did miss an event. And honestly, to this day, I don't even remember what it is at this point. It probably doesn't matter. What matters is that I missed one event completely showed up just after it it was completed. And then I almost missed another one. But I'm so glad that you you didn't have to go through the missing first before you made a change. That's really cool, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm really thankful that I didn't miss it. But at the same time, I think it was just I realized in that moment that the setup of being a prosecutor wasn't going to give me it wasn't about being able to work from home or asking for those leniencies. It was the fact the judge set the schedule and that then we had to consult that before we could do anything. And that's I understand that's part of it, but there becomes a point in life where you have to decide is can I can I continue on this path or do I have to decide that it's time for me to be some and do something different?
1: Absolutely. What what do you feel like looking back now? were the hardest parts of making a transition?
0: By far, the hardest part for me was was waiting. So the one huge thing I was waiting for is I had, I think when, when I first decided to, to take this journey, I was about six months away from being able to apply for student loan forgiveness under the public service loan forgiveness. Ah. That was okay at first. I think that signing the contract, Meeting with Philip decided he was going to be my coach that it was kind of like this renewed, okay, let's put our head down. I can get through this. And probably about three months into that, it got real hard. Mm. It got real hard. And I to the extent that he and I had that conversation, I, I can't do this. We have I have to get out now. Uh, the the uh, by that point, the burnout was so bad that, my therapist looked at me at one point and she's like, I'm I'm going to, I know you don't want to take meds anymore, but I need you to go back on some type of medication because you are worrying me. Not that I don't take that as and I was going to hurt myself, but she could just see the physical change in me that I was,
1: yeah.
0: I was just, I was depressed. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was doing what was minimally required of me to be a mom. And it just, I wasn't in a good place. And so that's when he and I started kind of Shifting that transition, what what can we do to get out? But the hard part I had was not having that forgiveness. I had to be in a qualifying role. And so that was by far the hardest thing was, was pushing through and waiting for that opportunity. And the day I left my job, which was this is not technically, the new job is not technically a qualifying role, but the last one was the day I walked out, my loan zeroed.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So. As an assistant solicitor general working for a government entity, I qualified and I had applied for and met all of the payments that I needed to. I was just waiting on essentially waiting on the government to forgive the loans. Yeah. So I took a risk deciding to do the senior paralegal role, but I thought, okay, here's my dive. Let's go deep in, like hope I can swim. And like I said, the day I left is the day I, I logged in about an hour before I left my office and it, it had zeroed. Oh. And so it was it was not a qualifying role i had look, we had looked and looked and looked and tried to to find something within that realm and i just we weren't able to find something that qualified that wasn't still within the prosecution world or the sure. the government attorney world yeah. and so nonprofits would have qualified but most of the time they didn't meet the standard of what i needed to live on and that was where philip was very instrumental for me of constantly reminding me We we set this in place. We cannot like I understand you want to get out, but like you have you and I have had a very level headed conversation and you told me what it takes to get out and we have to be true to that. And so with him, there backing me up. It definitely took on an entire entirely new uh, perspective for me because I had I knew that I wasn't just pushing myself, but anytime, anytime I needed that reassurance text message, email, whatever it was, I shot it to him and he was always there to come back and be like, remember, this is what we're doing. It's okay. Keep your head up. It will come. So.
1: When you say this, we set this up, expand on that for me. What, what was this?
0: Just the progress. I mean, the, the, the ICP, Yep. So, Ideal
1: career I, <laughs> profile. Yep. There you go. Exactly making, sure right.
0: I had the, making sure I had the letters in the, right, in the right order. The ICP was really big. And he just kept pushing me back to that profile that here's where we really want, but here's what we have to have. Mm. And and I understand we're trying and we are getting closer. We're inching closer to what you need, but you cannot just completely, unless we can make it work and justify it in another way that like at one point in time, uh, he and I, talked about with the one heartbreak incident where it didn't, it was supposed to be a full time role. And then they asked for full time with a whole lot less money than, than I. they had told me they were going to offer. And I was like, but, and he said, well, if we can make it work with less hours so that we can do something, then maybe, maybe it still fits. And so of course we tried that and it, it didn't work. He, and And ultimately that was probably one of the times he propped me up most because I was I was very heartbroken at that point. I just to feel like you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then all of a sudden it's just like, nope, door closed. And so that was a hard day. But after two or three days of wallowing in that, which is I probably wallowed more than I should have. It was just a few weeks before this opportunity opened up. And I did. I I had found myself through... I had one other offer, a really good offer, but it was a litigation role. And I just really didn't want to litigate anymore. It would have required more travel. It would not have given me anything more than one more day at home than I had in the other role. And as appreciative as I was of of their offer, I just told them, I said, I have to stand true to why I did this. I didn't do this for money. I did this because I want to be at home. I want to have freedom and flexibility. And I don't want to answer to someone else's schedule. Obviously, every job you have to answer to someone's schedule, but not as much as I would have to in a role like that, in a role like I was in.
1: I think what's really fascinating that I've observed over the years is your word choice there, where you said this was a great opportunity, but, but, but. And although it could be a great opportunity for someone, it's not actually a great opportunity for you because it didn't meet your ideal career profile. And just for context, for ideal career profile, when you're thinking about that it's just a checklist of those things that you must have in order to create an opportunity that really is a fit for you. And then also a list of your ideals or aspirations and where you're heading to. So that being said, first of all, that's, that's phenomenal because that truly is the hardest part in many people's career change journeys and holding hard to those areas that you've defined are actually true for you. it's, It's so difficult. I can't, I mean, we've talked about many, many stories, hundreds of stories over the years where people have been forced to say no to something that was right in front of them in order to later on, you know, talk about delayed gratification, sometimes much, much later on say yes to what really actually fits. And so what I'm curious about for you, when you think back on that, that situation, What did, what did you find was actually in those moments, the, the hardest part about it or that made it particularly challenging for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's hard because you see an opportunity in that particular case. It was a good bit more money than, than even what, well, it was a good bit more money than what I was making at the time. It was more money than I took to leave that job and go to where I am now, but having to really step back and say, that wasn't, it was hard at first, because I was like, oh, that's more money than I've ever been paid. But money wasn't going to make me happy. You know, it wasn't going to get me the things. And as much as I even I told them in my interview, and in fact, when I walked into the interview, uh, the day before Philip and I had talked about it. And I, I went in like, okay, I'm going to say no, but I'm going because I've already rsvp did this thing. And I'm not that person. I'm not just going to show you, to stand you up and not come in. And so I went in, I interviewed, I kind of expected when I walked out the door that they were going to make an offer. And sure enough, when I email him the next day, he's like, I'm really sorry. Will you take some time to think about it? Um, I hate to hear that. I was about to make this offer to you. And so... I think I took 24, 48 hours and emailed him back. And I said, I really appreciate it. I thank you for consideration. One day, this may be a job that, you know, I can't, I come back to you. I hope if that ever, if the opportunity ever comes up and I want to go back into something like this, that you will consider me then. He actually came back to me about three weeks or four weeks after that and said they had, they had filled that position, but had another one and wanted me to reconsider if I would come to work for them. And again, I had to tell him, you know, I, I understand from your perspective that you think this is a much better fit. But in reality, it really doesn't change. You know, I'm at work five days a week right now, but I'm in one county with one judge. With your job, I'm going to be in the office four days a week, but I can be in any county in this state before any judge. And and I have to think about that. That's still not what I want. What I wanted when we put this together was I knew the amount of money I had to have to get out. I wanted a a remote or at the very most, two days a week, an office job. I really wanted a Christian organization. That was something that I wasn't sure I would find just based upon the things, the other things that I needed, but I really wanted somewhere that I felt like people believed, would believe the way I believe, or at least had those ideals in their head and, and kind of that basis. It didn't have to be, I don't know, it didn't have to be a church organization necessarily, but just had that background. And I'm trying to think there was one more thing that he and I We're talking about, I can't remember the fourth one off the top of my head. And and three of those four, the only one we didn't know about the day that I accepted this offer was the Christian organization. And that was answered in my intro because this company, actually, one of the co-founders is a huge huge believer. In fact, when I was there Thursday, they actually have Thursday prayer meeting at the office. And I was like, okay, if I didn't think I was where I was at before, I (laughs) I know the answer now.
1: (laughs) It is deeply integrated.
0: It is it is. And for that, I'm very thankful.
1: I was looking up your ideal career profile here really quick. Is it okay if I read off a couple of pieces of this?
0: Sure. That's fine.
1: So we had somewhere that truly embraces the fact I am a mother and would love on my babies too. somewhere with an incentive or encouragement for mental and physical health. I would love for it to be acceptable for me to exercise, even if during my work hours, pretty cool. And we had autonomy of schedule. Remote work, specifically defined work time, the ability to say no when necessary, daily flexibility. So one of the things I'm curious about, what did that mean for you? The ability to say no when necessary.
0: I think in my last job, because of the nature of where it was, and the there's no denying that we needed more staff. We need more attorneys. We needed more staff. And we needed more judges. I think anybody in that office to this day will tell you that. The county's just growing at a rate that really needed, really needed that. And we just weren't going to have that. And so there was not the ability to say no. You kind of had to take and embrace whatever was asked just because it had to be done. I mean, at this point you're working with people's freedom and their, their constitutional rights. Yeah. And so there really wasn't a whole lot of leeway to say no. So to have somewhere that I could say, I'm sorry, my plate is loaded. Is it possible to have somebody else work on that? was something that was really important to me. And it's funny that you read those off because I actually was able to go back and find the ones he and I were talking about right before I said yes. And yeah. it, they, they changed a little bit and that was pay flexibility, career path, and then the the belief structure of the organization and the pay was there when they made the offer. The flexibility was the fact that I I was able to work from home. They're good about, you know, if I, I can do daycare pickup and I can do daycare drop off. I mean, the first time I remember as I wound down at my last job, I had to do daycare drop off one morning. And I looked at my husband. I was like, what, what do I do? Where do I take them? Because he had done all of this for the entire four years of our oldest life. Yeah. I could count on one hand the amount of time that I dropped him off or I picked him up and the little one even less so because he was younger Um, career path. I wanted something that I had a really hard time finding places to embrace the fact that I had been a litigator and they wanted me to litigate. They didn't they didn't see the connecting dots of being able to negotiate contracts and things of that nature. So taking when when actually when the director of compliance who who made my my offer called, she said, "Why do you want to be a senior paralegal?" Why? And I said, "Honestly, I want to have more flexibility to be with my kids. I want to be able to have more time to I said, "I'm not asking not to work. But I said, I'm, I'm asking to not have to answer to anybody else's schedule other than a PTO schedule that, OK, there's too many people off. I'm sorry. Or, yeah, there is something important that week. We can't go that week, but we can go the next week. I said, I want that ability. So that's why I want to be a senior pay legal. And in fact, the newest general counsel that came on, he's been here like a week and a half ago. He said to me, "He said, would you have wanted to be something other than a senior paralegal?" If and I said, "Sure," but I just had a really hard time finding companies and organizations to embrace the fact that I had spent my career putting people in jail or prison. That I had, sure, I negotiate. I negotiated a lot of things, but the, but most everywhere one would have wanted me in a litigation courtroom style role, and I really wanted somewhere that took a major step back. I'm not going to say that. Now with the kind of the progress from last week, that, that won't ever have to happen now. But at the same time, taking a senior like paralegal role also let me learn this industry. It was going to let me have that time and flexibility that I wanted, but also would have made me a big asset to learn a different area of law and expand my horizons so that if it if they couldn't offer me. a a jump or a different place eventually, that at least I would have those things under my belt finally, where other places would give me that opportunity.
1: Your progress from last week, as you said, (laughs) when you went down to Arizona, you're now in a new role or a promotion. Tell me about that role. And then let's talk about how that happened.
0: Okay. So yes, as of Wednesday last week, I was asked to step in as the third associate general counsel for the company where I am now working. That was a kind of a shock to me to walk in and just be content with where I was just there to onboard and meet everyone and and get to know where I was working at. And then to walk into an office and say, you have a lot of potential. You have a lot to offer. We would really like for you to step into a full attorney role instead of just being a paralegal. I guess I had fully prepared myself that that may never happen, and I Interesting. think that's just the and not because I I didn't want to get my hopes up, only to be like I'm just stuck here. But I kept reminding myself because I, I candidly wrestled with the idea of the fact that yes, I have a bar license, but I am taking I'm taking this this different title, this lower title for a lack of better yeah. terminology. I have a newfound respect for paralegals in general because they 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 are the bones behind that what that process that very works. Much so. And so they have a very instrumental role and I will tell you they earn every penny that they that they are offered by all stretches of the imagination. But I had prepared myself that that might not happen here. But what I kept reminding myself was that it was building. And I don't say any of that because I didn't go into this going, well, I'll be here this amount of time and I'm moving on. That wasn't it. I I have just since my first role, I'd have just known that when the time is is when it happens, that time will come and I will know and that there will be no question. At this point, there will be no question in my mind that it's time for me to move on. And so I didn't know how that would work or if it would work, but I knew it was a great learning opportunity. And so I am excited to to walk into an office and immediately have someone go, you offer so much more than you're being utilized for right now was, was shocking to me. But at the same time, it was also, I guess, secretly something I knew. And it wasn't that this place didn't recognize it. It just felt like for all those ones that didn't recognize it before or wouldn't notice it or wouldn't acknowledge it before, someone has. Hmm.
1: What does that feel like in this moment?
0: It feels reassuring. It definitely adds a confidence that I didn't think I could have or didn't know if I would ever have because it's really hard when you put together a resume to, especially now with the way resumes are kind of structured with all of your successes, not necessarily what you do, but the successes that you have. And I can remember telling Philip, I was like, I don't know how I put on here. I put people in jail like that. that that's not something that people, they're not going to look at this and be like, woohoo, you know? And so. It doesn't
1: feel like a success to other people viewing the resume. Is that what you're saying? It, anyway?
0: Right. It, it It really doesn't. And I mean, I had some really great opportunities at my last job the most probably the most notable thing that I was able to do at my last job was I at 33 34 weeks pregnant with my oldest I argued in front of the Georgia Supreme Court hmm. that's an opportunity I will probably never get to do again maybe if I'd stayed in a, in a prosecution role and doing a lot of appeal appellate work then I might have but some prosecutors go their entire career and never, Probably don't ever get away with not submitting an appeal to the to the Court of Appeals, but to get to stand in front of the Supreme Court of Georgia or the Supreme Court of their state and argue, present an argument and for a lack of to win it, because that's what we did. We were able I mean, I kind of knew 30, that going three, in three, we,
1: 34 weeks pregnant, no less. Like that Yes. Is My sure coworkers
0: my coworkers challenged me to say, my name is Jenna Murphy and a wall and we represent and not my boss was sitting beside me, but their intention was not, it was not to be him that I was representing with. It was my baby.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that.
0: But yeah, 30, 30, about 34 weeks pregnant and and walk into the Supreme court. I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life, really? but that, that was kind of the highlight thing that I feel like I hung my hat on for the last job. And so that's one thing that I really like about having a new opportunity is I feel like there's more opportunities to really hang my hat in more places and, and feel like I have more vast responsibilities in this role, obviously even more so now, but to get to do more things and have more successes, not that I wasn't su- successful. I mean, I had tried an excess of 15 to 20 jury trials from start to finish and for the most part been successful in those didn't win all of them, but won a lot of them, but the, how those translate to a resume is very different when you're trying to look at a company and say, knock, knock, I want in to be legal counsel for you. And they're like, what does that do for me? And if they have a legal department that, that litigates, sure, it would have been great. But outside of that, they're kind of like, <laughs> okay, thanks.
1: Very cool. Very cool. When you think about mm this i guess when you think about the future like future transitions future anything else what do you think the one thing that you have learned out of this transition that will you know, will help you in the future maybe a different way to say the question would be what have you learned out of this transition that you think will help you in the future
0: i think i had to learn to stand up for myself i will say that that was one of the things in, in my job i'd always just been one to keep my mouth closed and kind of roll with the punches and do what I, and do what i do and be a good employee and go with it. And I had to learn. That's probably the one thing that kickstarted. One of the other things that kickstarted this process was that I had to learn that nobody was going to look out for me, but me. That's not true. I had friends there that were looking out for me too, but I had to learn to stand up for myself and open my mouth and say things where things bothered me or where I I didn't agree with things. So I wouldn't be taken advantage of.
1: What helped you begin to learn that?
0: Maybe it was just the fact that I was so burnt out that I knew if I didn't say anything that was, if I didn't, I was having to put boundaries. I was starting. So that was something I guess people kept saying, set boundaries, set boundaries, set boundaries. And I'm like, what you don't understand is I came into this job, my last job, single. I had no, I had no significant other in any shape, form or fashion. When I moved here, I lived by myself. I ate, slept, lived and breathed my job. I went home on the weekends occasionally to see my family, but beyond that, I had nothing. I I could devote 150% of me to my job. Well, when you set that up, setting boundaries, pulling back and setting those boundaries is almost impossible. So that's one thing I really have implemented going into this new job is, and I almost walked over those boundaries a little bit on Friday. And one of those is just to set my hours and not respond to things on the weekend. But I find myself that if I look at my email and there's stuff there, I feel like I need to respond. Multiple times this weekend, I had to make myself like, okay, the email's there, but you have to leave it till time. So that's, I mean, I tell them, like, if, if the walls are burning and you need me, because they're on Pacific time and I'm on East Coast time. And so if the walls are burning and you need me after my hours, you can text me or you can call me and I will, I will, I'm happy to help. But at five o'clock my time or shortly thereafter, I am, hitting the button where the only email inbox I see is my personal inbox. And I don't plan on looking at it until in the morning because my husband and my kids deserve more than they were getting before. And I lived somewhat of my own doings, but also for the fact that people were used to me being that person. You you trained them
1: to be that, to expect that, right? I think that's one thing we've never talked about on the podcast before that would be an interesting episode is the idea around if you have, (laughs) if you have previously unintentionally or intentionally trained others to expect that of you to then either make that change or decide to go someplace else. And I, what I've found with working with many people, but also for myself is that sometimes most of the time it's actually far easier to make a change and then train new people to on exactly. uh, the interactions, as opposed exactly. to try to retrain, uh, it's not impossible, but man, it is extraordinarily difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that like my last job when I started working there, we didn't work any weekends and we took on we took on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and so while it wasn't the end of the world, it was once every now and then, yeah, on a rotation. For a, for me as a mother, it hit differently than it did for people with grown kids or people with no kids because sure. if it wouldn't have bothered me if I had been single or maybe if we had just been married and it, okay, fine. My husband could do whatever he wanted. But the fact that he's tending to both kids and trying to keep things quiet because we were by that point, we were remote. Thank goodness, remote because at first it was not. It was we had to go to our office to do it. But just all of those things. And now I don't have to hopefully ever worry about that because I will say that's one thing with this new general counsel who came in at last week, like he didn't respond all weekend to emails because he has four kids and he says, that's what's important to him. And I'm like, well, thank you. I appreciate that because that's what I came here for.
1: <laughs> hey, if you love this story where we talk through and walk you through step-by-step step how someone got to more meaningful work, then you'll absolutely love our audiobook, "Happen to Your Career, an unconventional approach to career change and meaningful work. I even got to narrate it, which was so fun and something that I really enjoy doing and will definitely do for future books as well. But it also contains firsthand accounts from career changers on how they made the move to more meaningful work, just like we include on the podcast here. And actually, it's been called the best audiobook experience ever by some reviewers. (laughs) You can find those reviews and the book itself on Audible, Amazon, or any other place where books are sold. Seriously, just pause this right now and go over to Amazon or Audible or wherever you want and download it. You can be reading it and started on your career change in literally seconds. Now, here's a sneak peek into what's coming up next week right here on Happen to Your Career. I think that was the hardest to, to basically be rejected, but then to try to internally make yourself better and then try again. So be rejected, but then just be perseverant and keep trying again and again and again. Some people are content with just showing up for work and doing the same thing for year after year, years on end. If you're here listening to this, to this show, happen to your career of all places, I'm guessing that's probably not you. I'm guessing instead, you want to keep learning, growing both personally and professionally. But when you're looking for opportunities to learn and grow and your role no longer is providing that for you, it's really easy to lose your sense of fulfillment. All that and plenty more next week, right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep And you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.